A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to Rule the Rich podcast. Um, yeah, let's 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 crack straight on. How you doing, Raj Baines? I'm not too bad for that yourself. Yeah, yeah, all good, mate. All good. Other than the the Groundhog Day, but we all find ourselves in that position. So I'm not going to moan like I'm, you know, under some sort of exceptional circumstance here. Hopefully, you know. there's an end in sight with these jabs. We'll hope. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Oh, what you anti-vaxxer? Do you think um, Gates <laughs> is going to come and follow you? Well, you know, it, it's it's between him, um, the five G companies, <laughs> and uh, I don't know someone else. Who knows? I can't really think of where I'm going. I was probably going to take it down a problematic route there, but yeah, I'm, I knew I'm where you were going to do that. Well, I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, Wickham Wanderers. That was pretty boring, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a weird game because like we were we were intensely shit for the first half to the point that we were like weirdly passive and they deserved their goal and the only good person on the pitch really was Eric Lamella. Gareth Bale was decent and he was trying a lot, but he wasn't you know, none of it was coming off. And uh, I was getting quite pissed off with them because we should have really rolled them over and we had enough talent out on the pitch to roll them over and we eventually did. Um, but that first half was frustrating. And then after that, I think we were absolutely fine. And I think, to be honest, without even making the subs, we would have won the game comfortably. But it was more that... Um, it was more... And this is a, a weird thing for me to admit, but um, Steve Sidwell made a good point on co-commentary, where he said, you know, having not played for so long and, you know, the up-down season and everything, it's not the end of the world to give your three best players half an hour before a couple of days before Liverpool, given they've not played properly for over a week. So... Um, it was a it was a good exercise for all involved. I think. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing it did worry me about that was that it wasn't necessarily half an hour. There was the potential of extra time, but we'll sort of get on to the second half and the introduction of the the first team. I mean, just to go back to what you were saying about the the first half and the kind of turgid nature of a lot of it. What bothered me quite a bit is it. I just. Yeah, right. There's making changes and there's making wholesale changes, and there's the argument that a lot of that team again have not really played together. But still, I mean, it it makes it made me anyway, at least question what what do we do in training? Isn't that what training's kind of there for to prepare for a match to to kind of get a surely Mourinho has a has an idea of a starting 11 he wants to play ahead of a game and so would factor in maybe we'll do some sort of exercises that would harness on the cohesion between that team and it, it just seemed that there was there was I don't know to me it seemed like there was no real plan there it didn't seem like we were actually playing to any sort of not so much a system, but it, it just it I couldn't really see what we were trying to do. Um I remember like Gene Oliver, a uh, uh, an awful man, actually. He's but he's now he's one of the Arsenal guys we've had on before. He's a, he's actually a lovely bloke. Um he uh he once described Arsenal, um I think this was probably latter wenger days, of not being a team anymore just a load of blokes and there was a sort of edge of that to to what Spurs were in the first half I thought you know I don't know yeah I, th- I think the problem is that the way that we play and this is both under Pochettino and Mourinho is that we need a um, need a foundation to play from and that's usually our midfield 
And we have never once played well when our midfield two is Sissoko and Winks together. Like that is a nightmare pairing. Right? That is like the Fred and Rose of Tottenham midfield. <laughs> Only Fred and Rose were better together than Winks and Moussa are. Like we've literally never played well as them as a two and they should never play in the same midfield together as a two. And the reason why we're so much better in the second half is because Hoiberg came on and, and was somebody else in there to actually do something else and take those two away from each other. Um, and it's no surprise that we got better as soon as as soon as soon he was introduced, really. Um, so I wasn't too concerned with that because you knew immediately that those two were going to be shite together. And it's not their fault. It's just sometimes, you know, some players aren't compatible in certain positions together. It's just how it goes. He's, he's he's not somebody we've actually spoken about at great length before. I mean, where do you where do you stand on Winks at the moment? I like him. I think he's I think he's certainly got a role to play in the uh, in the squad. I think he's changed his game slightly under Mourinho already. He's become I call him tongue in cheek all action Harry Winks because he's kind of he throws himself about a bit more now to try and appeal to Mourinho. I think so. He gets stuck in a bit more than he used to do, and he's he's less passive in without the ball than he has been previously. And I don't think he was passive in in a sort of like a Pogba way where he'll just watch play go by him or stuff like that. It was more that he tried to intercept, he tried to be a bit cute with what he was doing. Whereas now there's almost a bit of a wannabe Scott Parkerishness about him, and I don't mean to do like his passing or anything to disservice by saying that. But Scott Parker was a, a brilliant player at what he did when he. Settled into that room. Yeah, absolutely. And he kind of he kind of appears to be trying to add that string to his bow. And I think there is a, a place for him. It's, it's a shame for him that he's not going to be a starter. And to be honest, I don't think he would be a starter anywhere else, um, like immediately, because he, he, he's a part of a midfield. He's not the player your midfield circles around. There's nothing wrong with that. There's just very few Midfielder of, his, of midfielders of his ilk that are good enough to to be the focal point. You are talking about your your Modric's and your pre Liverpool Thiago's and stuff when it comes to that, and he's he's just not quite at that level, and that's not a problem. But because there's very few players at that level, um, so I, I, I don't, don't have a problem with him. Yeah. I keep him on the books because we don't have another midfielder of that kind, really. I just you you get the impression that he. Out of kind of a lot of players who are probably in a in a similar position, not in terms of on the pitch, just within our squad, if you like, within the club, you know, and I think, you know, maybe a Lucas Mora or somebody like that, he seems to be the player that's least happy with the idea of being a squad player. And he seems well, to be Delhi, innit? Yeah, I mean he seems to be somebody that believes I, I, I think that's because he's I got England say, ambitions. Yeah, I dare say ent- a level of entitlement, perhaps. Um, which... I don't, I don't, you could. Uh, that's un- unfavorable. You could always call it ambition. Yeah, true, true. I, I just, I sort of feel for Winks in the respect that, like, yeah, I don't think it's quite as bad, and I, d- I don't think for a second that he's number one as much a cunt. That's the important <laughs> part. But also, I think he treats his body a lot better than Jack Wilshere ever did. But I can't, I cannot help but feel that with Winks, there is a shade of seeing a young player break through who is who looked like he could be on a trajectory toward being a a very very good footballer, like mm-hmm. not top tier, but you know a very good footballer and probably an assured starter for a top four side if he carried on that trajectory. But I kind of feel with Winks, he's a player that's just gotten injured at bad times in his own development and just with the team's development, if you like, that he's, we've almost left him behind a little bit now. And I think if he is going to be expecting to be a kind of guaranteed starter at Spurs now, and if he's not happy with that, Maybe we should cut because I, you know, you kind of. Feel where does that... he go? Where does he go and be a guaranteed starter? Because it's the tier below. He'd he'd go and be yeah. one of the best players at what um... Palace or someone. I, I honestly, I feel that his future to me is that uh, he ends up being like a Palace type club 
legend. Captain. Yeah, captain, leader, legend. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he'd, he'd like piss West Ham. Yeah, be, yeah, they'd love him there. If they love Mike Noble for all them years, they'd love Harry Winks. Do you know what I mean? And I feel that that to me is like what Winks is destiny is that he's going to be he's going to end up somewhere like maybe even a newcastle sized club like i think he could be i actually think he could be very good at a club like newcastle you know well Uh, you can compare him to like they're not the same type of player but almost a john joe shelby type in that he benefits at at newcastle from playing all the time and sort of play going through him and that didn't happen for him at a bigger club because he's not quite at that level and you know he's not attuned the way a player of that level needs to be. And that could be the same for Winkson. But I think there are situations and things where we just need to be more intelligent with how we use the squad because I don't think that we... If he if we're play, putting him in the same bracket we do with Lucas Moura, we'll say the exact same thing about him that we do when we talk about Lucas Moura and that if somebody gets injured or we need to bring someone off the bench... There's nobody we can buy who is going to be of a better level than they are to yeah, be yeah, sort of a, a step in. So we would be hurting our newfound depth by getting rid of him. And we need to get to a place where and we need to become the, the type of club where people are happy to be bench players here because every big team has a squad and we just kind of have to recycle those a bit better because it happens at every team that, you know, even to likes of like, you know, Leroy Sané and shit like that, uh, uh, Man City and stuff, big players end up going to these clubs and they, they just become rotation players because that's how it works. Yeah, and, I mean, look at Mares. Yeah, exactly. He would walk into pretty much any other team. In, he'd, in prob- he'd walk into ours. Off the right, possibly, yeah. yeah you know, I, I'd happily have him. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. a sensational player. Yeah, and I mean, I, this is essentially, this is this is my point. I'm not in any way advocating, like, let's get rid of Winks. I just kind of feel that if he is happy being a squad player, great. Well, yeah, you, you kind of come to that like it Olympic place. Yeah, you know, but if he, uh, I say it as well, motivated uh, off of the back of his post-match interview where he was kind of a bit a little bit snippy about um his status within the team and everything like that and yeah. I think I might have missed that what they say. Um, yeah, I mean I'm probably making a something out of nothing but he he just he'd said something to the effect of like you know the the reporter after it had asked him you know did he feel good to be you know because he got man of the match if it if it will get him back in the kind of managers good books kind of thing um and he was just like well yeah you know i I can't make secret of the fact that i'm not particularly happy not playing it it, it was Mm -hmm. words to that effect it wasn't that's not verbatim um and it just i think Mourinho would be happy with that though i don't think he wants anybody sat around in the squad not being happy to not play no of course but this is this is the funny dichotomy with Mourinho, though isn't it in the he 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 wouldn't want a passive character, but then he also gets his kind of no, nose out of joint if people are. Well, everything he does is right on the nose and right on the line, isn't it? He wants everyone to yeah. just be right on the edge, and that's one of the reasons why we thought he was gonna gel with Delhi so well because they're both that same sort of edgy character where they they do toe the line a bit, but it appears to have gone one side of the line more than the other. It does a bit. It does a bit. I mean, you you spoke about Bale. Um, there i thought he took his goal very well and i thought he he really grew into the game mm-hmm. um it seems to be still that talking point of you know was it a waste of time is it a waste of money i mean uh, just to from the i think people had like the wrong expectations they were expecting to yeah. pass them 13 get a fail to walk back into the squad and be slapping them top bin from week mm-hmm. one i mean but the, uh, this is it right i mean from from the off i would say my position on it is much like I think, like we said the last time we recorded, for the buzz of the summer and for you know a couple of the goals he scored already alone, I feel it's been worth it. I feel that again, there is this kind of sniffy quasi intellectual idea that having good personalities around the place is somehow a bad thing or it's some sort of gammon thing to have. I, d- I don't agree. I don't think it is at all. 
a bad thing to have a seasoned winner who has an affiliation with the club number one, um, who has won the lot and actually been a decisive factor in winning the lot for Real Madrid in a squad full of young players, in a squad alongside somebody like Harry Kane, who, you know, could be said that maybe needs to step up a little bit more in these bigger games. If if Harry Kane can learn from somebody, I want him to be learning from a player like Gareth Bale. If he can learn anything at all, that's who I want him to be learning from. And, you know, maybe that's part of the investment. We've We've heard before in the past... Ledley King talk about how his game went up levels playing alongside Nabet, who's not even that notable a figure in the pantheon of football greats, no. but but still was a solid, dependable, international, seasoned European centre back. Who, when Ledley King was a young kind of developing player, has has expressly called out in saying that he learnt a lot from him being around him. Um, Nabit wasn't even particularly exceptional for us on the pitch, but, you know, and I don't know, but I think when we're talking about on the pitch, when Bale has actually played, I think he's he's generally been... And when I'm not talking about when he's been given like a 10-minute run out here and there. When he's actually been given a proper game, he generally affects what happens in the matches, be it scoring or be it setting something up or twatting a free kick that gets tapped in on the deflection, you know? He's that good that even at half pace, he's making meaningful contributions to the game. And it's kind of weird watching him because you have that weird thing of like, oh, I'm expecting him to be 10 times as fast and dynamic as he is being. But he kind of just pops up in the right place and he has that experience and that, that class to just make a difference without even looking like he is. It almost... Reminds you, have you ever played like five aside with somebody who's played semi-pro or something? Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody's big brother who's just a level above the rest of you and you're all running around like dickheads and this guy doesn't look like he's moved at all, but he's constantly got the goal, he's constantly picking passes, he's pinging it into the top corner every time he's got it and you're like, how the fuck is he that good when he doesn't appear to be moving? As a, as a fag, the second he gets off the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. he's like got a belly in his shirt yeah, and yeah. fully fit him and stuff and it's just like... You know, it's, it's become a bit of like a lad Bible hashtag class is permanent, but it really fucking is. Yeah, and I mean, what what I will say is I wouldn't for a second, genuinely for a second at this point in time, be surprised if it were somebody like Gareth Bale that scores the winner in the Carabao Cup final against Man City. Mm-hmm. You know, like if 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 this, if Mourinho is like, right, fuck it, it's one all. Last twenty minutes, get Bale on. Just fucking get him on, and he well, the, the and he slaps is, like, one in. You know the other lads. It's we kind of say it's not a thing, but like the other lads haven't really played in cup finals like that. They've been in the Champions League final once, and it didn't really go to plan. It wasn't really a game, but there'll be a few in there who are kind of like, oh, this is a big occasion. It's Wembley. It's Man City. Gareth Bale will turn up like that's any other game. He literally won't give a fuck. It'll be water off a duck's back for him. And this is what we brought him in for at the end of the day. You yeah, know? And it's, it's that pairing of him and Mourinho, uh, uh, the, the mentality change and everything yeah. that we want. And I think he is getting there. It's going to take a bit of time. We kind of, I think we might have like played down the effect of not having played football for as, as long as he has or what? meaningful football. And, 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 and like, yeah, in terms of that and the mentality of just having your, just being as battered mentally as he has been probably by. Mm-hmm. Zidane and the Madrid fans and just the general experience of the past couple of years for him. Mm-hmm. You know? and it, it sort of, I think he's going to have a lot more to say. As long as Touchwood, he stays a bit more injury-free and the nicks and stuff are out of his system, hopefully he gets there. But we saw this when we had like Van der Vaart. We should almost treat it as that type of a signing because we had no preconception with Rafa when he came. He kind of, he came, he played every like third game because he would always miss a couple of games here and there with his hamstrings and stuff. And he was never fit enough to almost complete a game. And he hardly ran or defended, but he was class at what he did. And we should almost treat Gareth like that. Like, play him at 10, make him a luxury option, play him against the shit and watch him have a laugh and like just let him have fun. And I bet he's class when he does that. But 
we're not really set up to do that at present, which is a, a shame. But uh, can you imagine, like, if you'd have come back under Redknapp or something? I bet he'd be having a fucking ball. Yeah, and uh, we'd be like tenth, by the way, if that's what we had in charge. But yeah. Gareth Bale would be having fun. <laughs> I just think at the moment, right? You know, there's a there's a lot of rash takes, and I, I you know, I get it. We're in, we're in the age of the hot take, but still, there's a lot of particularly rash takes at the moment, which are not taking into account the fact that we all sort of bought into the idea that he was going to be the difference maker in the business end of the season. So really, why are we getting wound up that he hasn't made more of an impact in dead rubber Europa League games Mm -hmm. when there are a lot of big games to come still this season? Um, We're getting to the latter stages of the FA Cup. We're already in the final of the Carabao Cup. We're, you know, in the latter stages of the Europa League coming up. Like, you know, I literally think the only regrettable thing that he's done since he's come back is not finish off that run against West Ham. And anybody else on the pitch wouldn't have been in the position to. But because he's Gareth Bale, he danced through them as if they weren't there. And it was just a, a shit, unsharp finish. And had he rolled that into the bottom corner, we'd have been laughing and we'd have pissed that game. But it was just one of those where, you know, that's literally the only thing that's that sort of you could pick as a, as a shame because anything else is just him getting his fitness and form back and everything. He's scored in every competition we play in. He's won a game against Brighton for us. He's got us through the FA Cup by equalising last night. He, he's making meaningful contributions in... in and it was a decent played. finish last night as well. Oh, yeah. Well-timed run, decent finish, you know? Yeah. And we missed easier chances than that. Well, exactly. And we've seen... You know, one, of the, one of the main talking points of the past few weeks has been... Tottenham's lack of goals from players that aren't called Son or Kane. Um, it, if it's that easy, if it's that easy to do it, one, are, why aren't other players doing it? You know, there you go. So, <sighs> well, Tangy is not. Can we, can we have five minutes? Just uh, yeah, come on. It oh. needs to be done. Needs I know to be they're done. like shit, but that double chop and then the finish without even looking was absolutely obscene. It's. I was thinking about this earlier, and I was. It's nice to now, since Rafa, have another what I would call like a Tottenham player back again because that's he is so he's just in that pantheon of Van der Vaar, Berbatov, Ginola. I guess I didn't really see him, but Hoddle before that, that type of just that is what I think of as being a Tottenham player. And that to me now is like what Tangy is. It's just like yes, yes, we've got another one of those. Like it's just, and it's just, it's. I think you know, like you say, it's. I'm not acting like we were so fucking visionary on this. Of course, he was a sixty million pound player that we've seen do wonders already at Leon. But still, when it was kind of like, yeah, we both had our own reservations about it. But when he came on against Bournemouth at the tail end of that season, it was just like. It's just nice to see a player who is just fun to fucking watch, like really yeah. and fun. And we just mentioned, you know, you see those players whose T-shirts look a bit tight on them, but they're still clearly the best player on the pitch. Like That's what he was at. And we kind of got a bit of insight in that Amazon documentary that he hadn't settled as well as he needed to and you know, one or two things about him that, you know, he was feeling a bit homesick, all the rest of it. But as soon as he, he's bedded in and the bloke, he smiles as much as Son now. Like any time you see him... He's always on the socials. He's clearly happy what he's doing. It's that's it's night and day to where he was last season, and that's clearly been shown in his football because he's he just makes you smile when he plays, and you do need that. And especially how we play and and, and the way we're set up under Mourinho, we we need an outlet and and some source of joy because even the likes of Kane and Son, as brilliant as they are, they are ruthless and down the line and you know bullies and. They're, you know, stat machines and stuff. But, and they do give you joy, but not in the same expressive, carefree way that he does. It's so unique. And, and you're right to name the players you do because that is that is the sort of the line in which he's following on from and extending. And, and it is nice to have somebody like that back in the Spurs kit. It, it, and having sort of such an enigmatic presence there, it it's just brilliant because... He's going to be, if he can maintain that, and I guess we'll get on to Liverpool in a bit. Um, mm-hmm. 
but that that's kind of that's the next step for him to me is doing it in in those type of games and i i don't buy into i don't like the whole like oh he's only done it against but well you know if it was that easy everybody would do it and they don't so you know if it what i mean is if it was that easy to do that against only wickham or only sheffield united but what we're seeing is like on an individual level the skill and just the i guess the audacity to try some of what he does is just it's it's just what you want to watch football for right it's that it's what kind of gives you that spark again and like we were saying yesterday was such a turgid performance but what you come away from it now is thinking about those individual moments of brilliance from a player like Ndombele that's just gonna give that a go and it's and it's not just like he's doing random chops and, and no. pirouettes in the middle of the pitch, and it's not for a reason. It's not as if he's like a FIFA Street adult erupt and stuff where he used to do a, <laughs> a you know a bit of skill on the wing and lose the ball afterwards. And you'd be like, oh, that was pretty well done for nutmegging him, but you know we've got nowhere and you've given the other team possession. He's doing it, and it's a means to an end. Like He never does an unnecessary bit of skill. No. It's always to get away from someone, and it always seems to fucking work like... More often than not, his one-touch passes, his little flicks, his you know, turning around in space, you know, being marked down by three people and then just running at the three of them. He always seems to come away with the ball, and, and that's when the players are allowed to do that. It's, it is genuinely like, gorgeous to watch. The, the flick over the top to Kane uh, that led to eventually yeah, yeah, to yeah. Winks' goal was, you know, he just does stuff like that that it, it looks easy. Or it looks kind of, you know, when you're kind of, when you're, I find anyway, when I'm watching football, I'm caught up in the emotional side of it first. So I'm not really paying attention. I just see a ball fly over the top to Harry Kane. And you're like, okay, cool. Go on, Kane now. You're always sort of living in that moment of, oh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. handed over. The second you see um, the replay. Yeah, she sorry. watched us watch a game for the first time. Well, not the first time, but since living together, she's watched us watch games more often than she hasn't and stuff. And she's, she said to us the other week, it's like you've got Tourette's when you're watching football. Yeah. yeah. But you are, you, you don't even realise you're doing it, but you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, go on, Harry. And she's, you are just randomly talking to yourself. Yeah. And uh, and then the second you kind of see the, the replay and you've had a, a second to kind of compose yourself, mm-hmm. you're really struck by like, fucking hell. Like he's just spotted Kane. When you actually think about yourself in that position on a football pitch, the fact he's not only contending with the players in front of him, he's just sort of spotted the run on the far post of Harry Kane and just has managed to be like, okay, so he's run into there and just in a split second just flicking it. And oh, I just think he's 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 sensational. Um, and it's it's really exciting to have an element like that seemingly growing within within the team you know it's just it's it's he's been there and we've had a kind of baseline version of him which has been great but seeing it continue to kind of grow and evolve as the season goes on we're still in touching distance of being at the top of the table you know i mean yeah. he's coming good at the at the right kind of time yeah and I think he's he's just going to grow into the team and get better now because I think he, he's still got levels to go up. Oh, big time. Because he's not even finishing games yet. Can you imagine when he matches this level of skill and brilliance and end product with fitness on top of it? He's, he's going to be unreal. And it's not just he's an attacking force. He does the dog work defensively that Mourinho wants him to do. And he's he's doing it with a smile on his face. And yeah, he's, he's one of the first names on the team sheet and, you know, one of the favourite players in the squad for me. I mean, when we started the season, we're like, oh, it'd be good if we got to the position where we can rotate Lacelso and Andambele and have the two on the pitch at once and what have you. But Tangy's overtaken Lacelso quite comfortably now. Oh, it, yeah. it really is he's in the spine of the squad. It's him, Hugo, Eric Dyer somehow, <laughs> um, who we should probably talk about at some point. He's probably our best central defender now, uh, which is somewhat worrying, but good on him at the same time. Um Hoybier on them Son and Kane, like that's that's who plays for us every game and every meaningful game. So it's um yeah it's it is great to see, especially when we kind of like, oh we've we've had this amazing talent, he's gonna kind of 
passers-by get chucked off to Barcelona for half of what he's worth and we're going to watch him become unreal. And uh, luckily we actually get to watch him become unreal in a Spurs kit. The thing I quite like about him as well is in terms of just like pitch intelligence is he's one of the few players, you know, along with kind of Kane knows how to do it. Delhi always knew how to do it to a T. Danny Rose, another player. But Tangi knows how to win fouls as well. Um, and he knows how to win fouls in good positions as well, which to me is always just a joy because it's one of those things I've always seen the top teams have players that know when to go down and know how to essentially dupe the opposition into fouling them. Um, so that's going to be something that's going to be a, a godsend for us as well. Um, yeah. But as, as I was saying, it will be good to see him... Uh, take this on to the next level and what better a level to do it um, would be against Liverpool um, coming up on on Thursday Um, I mean first of all like I guess as a sort of entry to that how are you feeling approaching approaching that one because they they I mean, the form guide would suggest that they're awful at the moment, but they actually looked decent against United quite ominously the other night. Even though they still lost, um, they were all right, and they scored two at Old Trafford. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If we're any other top four team, we kind of go, oh, we're sensing bloody here. We're going to knock them off. It'll be, you know, probably three or four one. They'll probably get a goal because they, they, you know, they're, they're doing that now. But we're too strong for them. We're in better form. We're at home. Mourinho knows how to win these games. The players will be motivated because of what they did to us last time at their place and all that. But because it's Spurs, you kind of like, oh, it's fucking is this the right time for Liverpool to be having their appointment with Dr. Tottenham. It's just like, you never have any confidence ahead of these type of games with us. And and to be honest, I don't think I ever go into any game as a Spurs fan with any kind of confidence. It's, it's more hope than it is belief. And I've, I've sort of written and talked about this before. And I really want to get us to a point where we can actually just believe in Tottenham rather than just randomly hope that we can do shit. Um, but yeah, it's one of those, like, even, even to the point where I have a, a mate from work who had like a six, seven, eight-fold Aki or something the other night, and uh, the last one to come in was us against Wickham, and he texted me, and he goes, oh, he's uh, 80 quid, I'm going to be winning. I was like, I wouldn't be so fucking sure if I were you. Like, I wouldn't... I'd be cashing out if that was me. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of those, like, we, we should win this game. We should be in a better position to win it. We have the form players, and we have the, the home advantage and all that shit, and it would be transformative for our season in the second half of it to win this game, and it would be a real platform for us to build off, especially with Chelsea coming up, which is going to be annoying now because they're actually going to have a decent manager when it comes. And um, City as well away there. They're three huge games, but we're almost better prepared for those matches than we are, you know, if we've got fucking Fulham away or something like Sheffield United at home or whatever else leads away. That's They're the more the ones that you kind of like, more trepidatious about given how we've performed this season than we are the big games. I do feel... The thing for me is, I, I think I said it on the pod a couple of weeks ago, but like the, the problem for me with Liverpool is, and it does feel a bit tin pot to say it, but 
it is almost a bit of a cup final for us at the moment in that them as a as a club they just seem to be well they're they're clearly a hoodoo for us but they just you know they're rent free in a lot of our players heads most notably for me Harry Kane who I think since he obviously became the face on a dartboard for them after that kind of penalty miss then penalty score and you know he turned to the camera and did the whole you can't give me two chances thing mm. I'd I'd I can't really recall Kane playing well against Liverpool for quite some time. And it just seems to be that, like, I felt that the game at Anfield, for example, I'm not going to judge him too harshly on the fact that, you know, he pretty much missed a a sitter on the line that you would back Harry Kane to just put away with ease, honestly, 98% of the time. It's almost like it's trying too hard, isn't it? Well, that's it. They just seem to be so in his head and... I was I was sort of thinking about this before, um, and it, it it took me back to, and I, I wonder how much it plays into it. I don't know if you remember when he claimed the Ericsson goal, um, oh, yeah, when yeah, he was yeah. in that golden boot race with Mo Salah. Salah. But, but the Liverpool players in general adopted this bizarre outward, almost bullying thing of all taking the piss out of Kane on their social media channels, mm-hmm. which, when I actually kind of think about it, because, you know, your emotional reaction to that is, fuck off, stop having a go at our best player and all this type of thing, and it led to, obviously, Liverpool fans having a good laugh about it and a laugh at Spurs fans for getting rattled and all this type of thing. But it, now I kind of look at it and the with the dust having settled, I just think, like... You weird bunch of cunts! Like what, <laughs> what? But do you know what I mean? Like I would honestly, I would, I would hate it if our lot acted that way. I'm yeah. so glad that we don't have players that do that type of thing. But when they kind of behave in that way, Liverpool, you cannot escape from that kind of cries of it being like this weird cult. You know that they. Mm-hmm. That there's just this bizarre pattern of behaviour that, yeah, okay, I get it. Mourinho is Mourinho. He's a bit of a shit house, and he will always make excuses, and he always likes to have a go and act like he's a victim and this type of stuff. But I, I honestly, truly believe something that rings true is what he said a few weeks back. If I had behaved the way Jurgen Klopp is behaving this season, I wouldn't hear the end of it. And... I, I, there just seems to be this protective bubble around it means more to them. Oh, it's just what Liverpool are like. That I don't know. I don't know if it's just irritated Kane or if he's sort of gotten to the point of being so fucking sick of having an entire fan base that seems to scrutinise every single thing he does or whether it's from Harvey Elliott, that youngster who mocked the way he speaks. Um, I think it's a combination of all of it. I, I wrote this when I did the, the Spurs White piece, is that there's no doubt in my mind that he pays attention to each and everything that's said or written about him, and he is acutely aware of what people are thinking of him and, and, and having him down as any given time. And that will be a motivating factor for him. I think he is a very much a chip on the shoulder, actively looking for motivation type of person. Um, and I think privately he'd probably admit to that. And I think he's he's probably a lot more of a, a less affable character behind closed doors than he is publicly. And that's you know probably credit to his public persona because um, I think almost for definite, there's almost like, you know how David Beckham, like outside is like a Mother Teresa type character and can do no wrong, UNICEF and all that stuff. And then... He had that email leak to his uh, agent. This or better get me a fucking knighthood. Yeah, 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 that one. And you're like, there he is. That, that, might, yeah. that, that makes him a bit more human. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it, I think it. I don't think he's after a knighthood, but I think there is. But in behind closed doors, he's like these fucking scousers are weird cunts. Like I proper want to give it to them, sort of a thing. Um, and fair play to him. Like anyone in that position would be. And I think the opposite of that. I think the same way that they've become this obstacle for us to get over mentally i think we were that for them yeah oh yeah big for, for a number of years and i think that's kind of what their motivation is and it, and it goes and it 
it goes in cycles, doesn't it? Like um, we're seeing it the other side with Arsenal now. We had it for a long time where we were, you know, that was our our target was to somehow beat Arsenal, not even like win the league or win a cup. Like our seasons lived and died on whether or not we beat Arsenal, and now it doesn't. Like it, like they're almost so, a bit of a West Ham for us, yeah, aren't they? Exactly. I mean, it, obviously, when the game comes around, that's not it. But otherwise, they don't really have that. You know, the the meme living rent free in your head. Yeah. They fucking did. They they had permanent residence yeah, in yeah. our minds for for many a year, and it's only in sort of hindsight and having done so and what we've done now and eclipsed them in the way we have that you know you can admit to that. But I think for Liverpool, we did that. There was that Lovren game where the we pull their pants down at Wembley, and it, we didn't really have a great record against them head to head. But they finished behind us years on years and years in a row, and you know, for you know, what the second most successful club in England, or maybe there's a first again now, whatever. One of the two great English sides to have fallen behind the pecking order behind Tottenham must have been a real thing for them, and and it definitely was because you see how much they take enjoyment in in beating us and and sort of keeping us at hand now and, and hopefully it swings the other way at some point and it might just be one of them I think we've got to a point with City now where it is we do evenly dish it out to each other and hopefully we get to that point with Liverpool too I think we're, we're edging towards that point with Chelsea we're definitely at that point with Man United having fucking shat on them I think we've gone the other way with Arsenal whereas we, we, there's literally no competition there anymore um, he says touch wood they are so far behind us now. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, every now we're going to lose to them here and there, like they lost to us. Like here we do to West Ham. Yeah, exactly. You know. Well, they didn't lose to us here and there for, for no, fucking true. ages. They literally we we didn't get anything for years. Like we got the odd draw, and that felt like a win. Yeah, the old Carling Cup win or something like that. But yeah, the five-one is the first time in my like life that I genuinely rem- like actually have vivid memories of, of beating them. And I was born in 1992. Damning, that's, that's, damningly, that's I think it probably is for me as well. So, really. And that was such a cathartic night. Oh, it's, like, I, it's brilliant, mate. I, I remember just how I felt like that. I probably felt on that night similarly to how I felt at Ajax because it was just that sort of a that sort of a thing. And, you know, similarly when we beat him in the league, the Danny Rose night and stuff, it was just... We didn't know any better. I mean, like the, the 5-1 night in, in that old game against Arsenal, that to me was like, this. this is... This is the heights. This is like this oh, is yeah, what yeah. Tottenham are going to be. This is like the top of what we can achieve. So the, mm-hmm. what we have done the past few years is is mind blowing. Um, oh yeah, that's why I always have to check myself before I sort of try and get in. Like I get my pants in a, a tizzy because we're not quite where we should be as a title winner, and we haven't requalified for the Champions League in the fifth year in a row. I kind of go, remember where you were ten years ago. Yeah. Right? Kind of fucking. Remember your place, sort of a thing. Like, be thankful for what you actually have got. That said, <laughs> I mean, as much I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna turn away any type of win against Liverpool, even if it's a scrappy 96th minute. Uh, not 96. I shouldn't use that number in terms of Liverpool. I haven't meant anything by that. I just mean like a 95th or whatever minute win against Liverpool. Um. We should take that. But do you know what? Whilst we can sense or like smell blood, as you say, I would just, how good would it be to just have another one of those Wembley performances? Like a a real now, a statement, 3-4-0, a Kane hat-trick. A Kane hat-trick where he scores two worldies and gets one goal which is shite and contentious and shocking. Like, he dives in the box, wins an awful penalty. Taps it in with his hand. And scores a penenka. Do you know what I mean? Like, just something that will really rile him up. Um, I just... I would. Oh, we just owe them. We owe them a, a horrible, a horrible defeat. We owe them one, you know? Um... I'd, we'll see though. I think this is a. I'd love it's it. almost a bigger game for them because this is their. I think if they lose to us, their season could quite possibly like capitulate. And it we've seen it happen to Klopp's teams before. His Dortmund team yeah. literally shit the bed, um, and he had to leave. It got that bad. Um, I don't think he's going to leave this season. But if it continues into next season, then Crest only knows. But um, 
Yeah, but similarly, if they pick themselves up and they, they beat us, then they, they could you know be in the argument again. They've got City coming up soon at Anfield and the Bruyne's out and what have you. And No, it's, it's, it's really open still. Like The most competent side in the league look like Man United and Leicester, and that's ridiculous. I mean, City have been on that massive run, but De Bruyne's out for six weeks now, so you never know. No, yeah, and it, yeah, if we, if we, you know, like we were saying the other week, if we talk about a team that's over reliant on a player, I still think City are pretty over reliant on the former Kevin De Bruyne, really. Oh yeah, massively. Well, their their uptaking form has been while he's become brilliant again. You take him out of the team, and they don't have a similar player. They've they've still got so much talent, but it just depends on whether or not they put it together. We'll see. They could if they drop some points now coming up, then. That title race is as open as it has ever been. And we're, we're, what, seven points behind with a game in hand? If we win, you know, our next few games and, you know, we we beat Chelsea um, and we sort of, you know, get something from the City game and what have you, then there's there's no no question where, you know, we are in, the, in that conversation. Do you want to live in a world where, with Leicester being our last game of the season, that's a title-deciding fixture? Oh, no, no, no. Between that's, that's, us and Leicester. Between no, us and guaranteed Leicester. Guaranteed to lose. Do you think, though? No, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Could be a nice chance to avenge 15-16 again. No, I think it's one of those situations where the, the, the ultimate shame and banter to bestow on us than I had always back the other team. Are they legit, do you think? Leicester, I think they're decent. Yeah, I don't think it's all Rodgers. I think that just the institution as a club, they've from that one fucking fluky miracle season, I think they've built really well. And they have, they, haven't they? they? They do a lot more intelligent business and, and infrastructure than than a lot of teams have. They've just built a new training ground, I think. So, you know, players will actually want to go play there because fucking nobody wants to go live in Leicester and the Midlands as a whole. It's, an, it's the hovel <laughs> of the country. Literally, like, Nuke the lot. It is awful. If you stop at the bottom of the M62 and then start again at Watford, um, <laughs> but otherwise, did the recruitment department they've built the the sort of the risks they take on players that people aren't ready to take risks on otherwise. Telemans. Yeah, Fafana, all that sort of stuff. They just they are on it and they they're reaping the rewards of it. And they're, they're still weirdly reliant on Vardy and there's still one or two positions they shouldn't be at and. They're still at a position where if an actual big club comes in for one of their players, then they will want to go. But they can have your pants down from the same way they did with Maguire. Like they're not in a position where they have to sell. They're not in a position where they have to do anything. They are they they're in the perfect position for them and they it doesn't look like the wheels are gonna come off that club anytime soon. If, if anything, they look so fucking like um competent that they'll be there for a while and you know, they almost they've almost future proofed themselves on the back of that Premier League win, which is, you know, perhaps more impressive than actually winning the title itself is not just fading after that. No, I mean hats off to Blackburn didn't, so you know. Yeah. And they, they, it's probably a comparable story, really. Blackburn's kind of Premier Well Blackburn League. bought the league, didn't they? Yeah. I mean you 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 could argue that Leicester spent a lot more money than people made out at the time, really. Um, you know, yeah, but it wasn't. They weren't, you know, City or Chelsea or all that. I think it was. You can't really downplay the miracle. I know we we, we didn't. I can it. I can do what I want, mate. Right? <laughs> they they beat us to the title. Oh, fuck them. Let me have some sort of sense. They of... won the league with fucking Wes Morgan at centre back. Yeah, like that's true. if that's not a freak occurrence, and I don't know what is. I mean, Vardy is an annoyingly effective player as well. He's, I would, yes. wouldn't, wouldn't want him so much now, but a couple of years ago, if the chance presented itself to have him, I would. I may, I know. I think he's one of those players where he, I think he would have flopped had he gone anywhere else. I think he's just so well suited to that team and position. Like he's built himself a niche and a sort of a standing at the club that he wouldn't get that treatment anywhere else. I think it's genuinely one of the best things he ever I, I, did I, in his career is not joining Arsenal. Do you, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like Arsenal would have been an annoyingly good fit for him, maybe. No, because we always think that about Arsenal signings. We like, we see, oh, they've, oh, look at what they've done with Ozil. Look at what they've done with Sanchez and Pepe and all that. And it always ends up being shit at the end of it. Pepe, seven, seventy-two million pounds. Yeah. They've spent an obscene amount of money on certain players, and they don't seem to get the stick for it that they deserve. 
No, but we still get dug out for spending 30 mil on Lamella, which is... He's still here. He's still for... He was the best player against Wickham last <laughs> yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. We've got seven years out of that 30 million. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what was notable about the Wickham game is it was probably with Gareth Ainsworth on the sidelines, it was the first time somebody on the, on inhabiting a match day had a worse haircut than Eric Lamella as well. Oh, fuck me. Did you see the tweet I did where I compared him to Tommy Yeah, Tom yeah, it was like, brilliant. It's genuinely a fucking it was weird brilliant, that. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean... He, and, and he's like 45 or something. He looks like he's 60. He's a real, like, go and get the guitar, David Brent yeah. type character, isn't he? He's in a band, isn't he? Yeah. Like, can you imagine him being your dad? Like, the embarrassment you'd die of. <laughs> mate, don't. My mate Phil was saying, like, after the game, who he's probably... Uh, handed out flyers to all the Tottenham players. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> come, come to my gig, you know. Um, Just giving a CD to Harry Kane. Oh, when you're in the car on the way home, Harry. <laughs> yeah. If you, you know, like those fellas that give you CDs on the street as well, yeah, being yeah. like, here's my Instagram. If you could just like it and uh, listen to the CD. If his and... tweet banged, he'd definitely be putting a SoundCloud on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just, I guess, to close it out, close closing business, Deli Alley. Well, I've got one more. Is uh, cool. His profile picture on um, on uh, Facebook is definitely like a bad photographer's watermarked picture of him at a gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah, not a proper one. Literally, he's got like Gary Smith photography right over <laughs> yeah. his face. 2018. Do you yeah, know yeah what I mean? it's an old one. Like, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's like 2014 when he just yeah. looks a bit younger. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I've got I've got it out of my system now. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. I've got I've got it out of my system now. <laughs> uh, oh, I was just going to say Deli Alley. Um, you say it looks, looks like, like he's going scamming. to Paris yeah. now. Yeah. What's happening? Um, well, I'm only going off Twitter and the uh, what's he called Fabrizio Romano or whatever he is. Here um, we go. Yeah, yeah, that guy who's. If you stop giving yourself a fucking catch. I know, it, mate. It's your, cringe. Your Twitter account. Cringe. It's not Little Britain, you dickhead. Mm. Pat down. Give us news and shut up. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it sounds as if like Delhi wants to go and PSG obviously want him. The good thing is it sounds as if Levy's done the smart thing and said he's not going anywhere fucking permanently because we've still got him on a deal for another three years. And, you know, if Delhi Ali sees out this contract to 2024, I bet the house I am currently sat in that he would outlast Mourinho at the club. Even if Jose does brilliantly, he's not staying here for fucking six years. I don't think he's ever stayed anywhere six years. No, I mean, I, I don't think he has at all. Definitely not. No. So, um, yeah, I think it. I, I think it's sensible if if it's got to a point where the two of them can't work together, which I think is genuinely a stain on Mourinho because you've got a fucking amazing tool and asset right there, and all you have to do is get your own head out of your ass and just fucking play him. Um, then fine. And then at the minute they're saying he's injured, but you you don't know if it's one of them fake injuries where you don't want him getting injured before he actually getting injured before yeah. his move or anything like that. Um, but you you kind of think he would play if we give him a chance. But um, yeah, you've you've said it before. It doesn't sound like as long as there's no threat of him actually leaving, like contractually, then you know there's no harm in him going to PSG for uh, you know six months and enjoying himself and having a cuddle from Poch and what have you, but the threat there is that he don't want to come back and, you know, if there's a club in the world that has the means to go, oh, right, he's been decent, here's 80 to 100 million that you want for him, we'll take him. And there's always that. I, I know whatever, he's had a couple of, you know, barren, if you want to call it that, years. Um, in yeah, contrast... Still fucking... Yeah, exactly. I know, I know, I know, mate. I'm, you know, he. I'm not saying that as. If a you thing. look at that team that played last night, like he's still a better option yeah. anywhere across the park than Winks, Sissoko, Lamella, Vinicius. You know, arguably Gareth Bale. I'd put them in a similar sort of category, to be honest. At the minute, yeah. Um, even Bergvine, there's an argument. To, you know, he, as exciting as he is, like Delhi, I'd play. And this, you know, Lacelso even like it seems to be made of twigs. He's in that conversation. Like he has a role in this squad if he is allowed one, but he just doesn't seem to be allowed one. It's a a very regrettable and frustrating situation. And I think we were always fearful of this with Mourinho coming in that we were you're almost guaranteed at least one falling out. And I think the early money was on it being Delhi, but he seemed to not be him to start with, and then it was at the end. And I just hope it's not. This isn't a sort of a uh, 
a full goodbye because there are some of them loans that were like, you know, the Juan Foyth one and stuff where he's technically on loan, but the guy's gone. Yeah, he's, he's definitely gone. Um, I, ju- I just worry that I, c- I cannot escape the feeling that we kind of touched on last week that it would be that, you know? I, I, yeah, it seems well, we've, weird. We've put, uh, Levy's put himself in the best possible position for yeah. this. But I mean, how, I wouldn't. How many years has he got left on his contract? I think it's three. I think I read that it runs out in twenty twenty four. Because I mean, I to me, he's still at least an eighty to hundred mil player. Right? Oh, easy. Just his commercial rights and everything. Yeah. Half the reason why Levy don't want him to bin him off is because every kid wants a deli shirt still. Just if we if we're letting him go for anything less than that, then you know it... I can't see Mourinho being here for much longer than another full season, and it'll either be the case where we don't do as well as we should do, or he does so well that he needs to he he's got another offer and he wants to enter us, and he'll decide he's going to his next project, or by that time Real Madrid have come calling, he's like, oh, I fancy. One last sniff at the, you know, the ultra big time. Put myself right back on the stage. I've sort of cemented my goat status by doing something mildly successful with, you know, perennial, almost their club Tottenham. I got them over the line. Or he's going to, you know, be finished and end up managing England or Portugal. It's it's one of the two for him. Um, I can't I can't see him staying for like three more years or something. No, like. no, just, no. Just doesn't seem likely or, or feasible. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him win as the Europa League this year and then have a shocking sort of season in the league domestically next year and just call it quits around Christmas time. Because that's, yeah, it's, that, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, like you say, I think I'm, I'm not getting too wound up about Marina because I see it for what it is. I still, I think there's been a, a certain amount of revisionism around where Tottenham were when Pochettino went. I still stand by the fact that I don't think we were in a place to begin a new project. You know, whoever, whether it's Nagelsmann or Hasenhutl, as we touch on, I just, I don't think the club was primed for that at that point. I, you know. uh, not just in a in a sort of sporting sense, but I don't think mentally we were either. No, no, exactly. Because I think primarily um, that really. Yeah, because uh, I I think that would have been the toughest sell possible is to get rid of Pochettino, who everyone was so emotionally invested in, and then go, "Here's a new guy that you've got to yeah. love for the next five years." It almost did feel like when Mourinho came in, Dad's got a new boyfriend, but no, not Dad's got a new, well, fucking 2021, Dad's got a new boyfriend, let's go with it. Um, Dad's got a new boyfriend, but he's a rich new boyfriend, so he's going to buy you a PS5 while he's here, so he might like have a few red bar- barnies and you know break up in a year or two, but at least you got PS5 out of it. So, yeah. If my uh, analogy makes sense. No, it, it absolutely doesn't. I don't know, it's, it's almost like I'm sort of looking at him like, I mean, you could probably draw parallels to the style of play, but I just mean it more in a thematic sense. He's sort of like that elite level Allardyce dash Pardew that. <laughs> that's somewhat. That's a bit disrespectful, but I understand. Do you know? What I mean, just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. brought in to to be a palate cleanser, as we've said, and he's there to sort of stop the rot, get the team performing again. Well, Levy did uh, this with Redknapp, didn't he? Yeah, assess. Like the the worth of the squad, the sum of all parts, and set us up to be in a position where it just steady the ship, basically. Steady and the be ship the and bad guy. Like we'd, we'd got to yeah. the point where we'd got to the end of one sort of one life cycle of one team, and if he somebody needs to come in and be the bad guy and go, look, Yambatongan's not getting another contract, uh, Ericsson's going to get sold, and all that sort of shit. Then it is what it is. Interestingly, it could very well be the case that <laughs> Delhi goes on loan to uh, Paris and then we get Chris back on loan from uh, Inter for the rest of the season and that's the uh, weird uh, the weird deal that's done and uh, which is almost a, a red nap type transfer is get all the get the band back together. Do you remember that one window where he literally bought everyone back? He's kind of like, oh, Daniel, who, who, which clubs have got payments left on players that we've got? And it's like, oh, Crouch, Defoe, Keane. Uh, who else was there that came back? Uh, Chimponda. Uh, there was Kabul. Literally bought back half yeah. our team. And it was ridiculous to the extent at which we essentially rebuilt a squad we'd already sold. 
Um, I, th- I don't think we're going to do that again. But I think I'd, I'd seen like you like you were saying like, with the Ali stuff. I think Ericsson to Spurs might be a bit of a non-starter just because I, th- I think there was a bit of bad blood between Inter and Tottenham in the uh, in the negotiations to him going there. Um, which yeah, I I just I, I think for th- for reasons such as that, I I think it might be a non-starter. Um, We'll see if Daniel yeah. Levy wants his way or get his way eventually. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, in terms of me, I think I, I don't know. I get. It. I think the reason why I'm not, I'm not head over heels with this phase of Tottenham is that I don't think anyone is though. I think no. this is the whole point. Is this? Just, yeah, I just don't feel bought into it because, like you say, it's like I, I honestly can just envision a world like this time next season. We're talking about who's replacing Mourinho then. You know? Yeah. Well, this isn't. I think that we need to shift our mindset in that we've come from a place where we get to love the manager and that's the focus of what we do to the point where loving the team and loving the manager is almost more important or as equally as important as what the outcomes are. So if, you know, Pochettino doesn't win a cup, that doesn't mean we suddenly hate Pochettino as a shit manager because he's given us something more than that. He Mourinho does not bring that asset to the table. No. So instead, the thing you love about Mourinho being at the club is the outcomes, and if he doesn't bring the outcomes, then he has to fuck off. Like, yeah. what we don't think back on the two, three seasons Mourinho's at Tottenham as, oh, do you remember how much fun it was to have Mourinho as manager? You'll go. Do you remember the Europa League? Do you remember the FA Cup? Do you remember that year that we randomly won that fake treble of the FA Cup, Carlin Cup, and Europa League? That'd be decent, like, wouldn't it? Yeah, you kind of very possible as well, quietly. Um, but yeah, it. What about one the quadruple? There you go. I don't want to talk. The still, I still got no like right. a. Do it. I still have a weird thing with the league where it still feels really weird to me to talk about Tottenham and the league in the same breath. And I always have that, that same fear because every time we get, not carried away, but every time we let ourselves enjoy it, like we did before that Liverpool game, and be like, oh, could this really be a thing? Like, I have no problem saying that we're involved in the conversation, but I'm never going to go like, this is a real thing, like we're going to be winners of it or anything. I don't even let myself think like that because it just it feels so odd and it just kind of, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not there yet. And it almost feels like I'm setting myself up for, for disappointment. I, 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 I know what you mean. Um, in a sort of, a, maybe, I don't know, a step on from that. Honestly, in my sort of heart of hearts, my head and my heart, I have this feeling of like, you know, I'm 35 now. If I, let's just say I live to 80 years old, right? Mm-hmm. The, there is a big part of me that is like, honestly, I just have this feeling that I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to see Tottenham win the league. Here's the thing, Jack. I, I, I'm there with you. I don't completely understand. But if I said to you 10 years ago, like, do you think you're going to die in Tottenham? You you think you're ever going to see Tottenham win the league in your lifetime? You'd laugh and you go, oh, no, that's not what we support Tottenham for. And it's almost as if this recent success has now changed the parameters yeah. through which you view the club. And this, this that's the kind of thing, when I go on about like reminding myself of where I come from, that's not me trying to you know, act like we're competition winners and lucky to be where we are. That's me just kind of having to put some perspective and going, look, you get to be somewhat disappointed that we're not as good as we could be but at the same time, you kind of got to remind yourself that it can be so much shitter, and it has been so much shitter. So you, you've in the same breath, you've got to count your blessings. So, in my arts as well, I'm I'm younger than you. I'm 28. Do I think I'm going to get to the end of my life and have seen Tottenham win the league? Honestly, no. But does that make me sad? Not really, because I, that's not what I exactly. bought into. And uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, one step on. That's how I feel really. Yeah. Even when I get completely wound up, like, yeah, the champ, I think that's why the champions league final was again, was so hard hitting because it was like, oh, it was, it was that wasn't it? It was, it was so close to just inexplicable ecstasy of just like, I think I can just retire from football now if we win this. Like, yeah. It was like, we found like the winning lottery ticket and then saw it was from the week before or something. It was like, yeah. it was that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but that, there's, like I said before, there's almost some, you know, poetry in the fact that we had that 
euphoria of Ajax in the way we did in an almost, you know, unreplicable manner. And, you know, our glory is in getting to the point of failure and well, being allowed to fail. It, even our, you know, set our sights so high that even our failures will have an echo of glory. And that's mm. that's that, isn't it? You know, it's it's literally the MO of the club that we have emblazoned around the fucking stadium. We stand by that with pride and, you know, you can't, you can't kind of get too pent up when when that manifests, yeah. you know. So yeah, we are prideful losers, is what we are as a club, and uh, we wear that as a badge of honour. Yeah, well, that feels like a good place to call it. Um, thanks everybody. Well, thank you, Raj Baines, for. No worries. You'd have to thank me. Now. Well, no, I don't, but I'd like to because I'm a, yeah, I'm a polite man. Um, I can Thank be polite. Well, can be, that's all right, mate. That's all right. Um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm gonna keep begging it out because I spent a fucking year making it. <laughs> so watch Spurs White if you haven't watched it yet, or if you have already watched it, watched it again, um, just so I can get the just so I can get the watch time up, so I can become a, so I can become a YouTube partner account, and then maybe make some more YouTube content at some point. You know, make it make it worth my while. <laughs> Look, he does this podcast and that shit for free, so like, even if you've got your computer on, just put it on in the background, fucking press play, walk off, give the man some money, it takes no effort. That's it, do it. Um, Thanks. Have a good night, everyone, or day, or whatever. Got us out when I was old, Nancy, American, kind of, and what is it, Truman Show? If I don't see you, good afternoon, good morning, and good night, or whatever it is. Good morning, I've got it in the order. Sharp, stop recording. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you